0: For people, this is episode 18 of Bantam Motivation. I am Ayamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone. Yes, this is for gratitude because this is Thanksgiving week. So everybody gets a greeting. How is everyone doing? How are you holding up? How has your November been? Are you getting in the holiday spirit? Guess what? We have 38 days left in 2020. That's kind of scary one hand, I'm excited because 2020 has been so ugh. And 2021 promises or we're hoping it will be better, happier. Things will go kind of a little bit back to normal, you know, fresh start, reset. But it's, wow, another year is ending, going to be a year older in 2021. This year has been quite a hassle. Is 2021 actually going to be better? You know, those little fears here, there, but yes. It's also weird because think about it. When was November 1st? Today is already the 24th, but the actual days are slow. So it's kind of weird because time is running, but specific days are really slow. I don't know if you guys have that same experience. How is your mental health doing? I know people in the UK are back in lockdown, which is no fun. I know people in California and New York have had curfews placed where I think 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. They can't go out. How are you guys feeling? Is it is it that feeling that you had in March when all this started? Or are you used to it now? Are you already happy to be home and not even bothered? Were you not even going out anyway? What has been your experience so far? Cases are rising in Texas. Sometimes you see the news and it's 150,000 people in one day tested positive or that they were recorded as having COVID and people are still living like nothing's happening. A lot of people still not wearing masks. A lot of people still having huge gatherings, weddings, parties, the works. So I don't know. Anyway, on to Nsars. On the last episode, I talked about some of the frontliners who were being harassed and being arrested. And one of them was a guy called Eromasele. And police was moving him, you know, around from Abuja to Lagos or from Lagos to Abuja and back and all of that. Thankfully... A lot of the lawyers that were involved with NSAS were still on the case, were, you know, going to court, really pursuing, really following. And he was released on bail. So that is great news. The charges were not dropped as far as I know. He was just released on bail. But you know what Nigerian prisons can be like? Whatever you're thinking, double, triple, quadruple, how much worse it is. So it's great for him to be home and in his own comfortable space and, you know, eating and all of that. Then the Nigerian army. (laughs) finally admitted in their probe panel on Saturday that they did take live ammunition to the protest grounds, to the lucky target. This is such a big win because the army has come out, really the leader of the army, the spokesperson of the army, in the first few days when everything happened, came out to say, we were not there, we don't know what people are talking about, we were not at the target. Of course, pictures, video, evidence, even the army had their own videos. So apparently some army officers were you know, recording their own videos and those were leaked or released, whatever the case may be. Definitely shows the army there. The army wasn't even one of the first people to say, Photoshop, this is Photoshop, we were not there, this is Photoshop. I don't know who told them the word Photoshop, which they were using and abusing in that time. So to see them go from that to now, let us say we were there, we didn't take any live ammunition, we only had blanks, we didn't even shoot, we we're just there to make sure that people were following the curfew orders, all of that. Later on they said, Lagos governor actually invited them. He denied he invited them and then they were mad that he was, you know, lying or pretending that he didn't invite them. Not sure what game that is. You know, all these things are going behind the scenes, right? Probably all planned it and agreed that he would take the fall whatever. Anyway, so the probe was going on and they did admit that they took live ammunition, even though they're still saying they didn't shoot at civilians. Claimed that civilians were throwing stones at them. None of the videos show that. Even the videos that the army have, nothing shows anybody throwing stones at them. So obviously unprovoked and they fired. So that has been interesting to see or hear. It's one of those things where they say the truth will always come out. And I'm hoping that the more they are probed, the more questions that are asked, the more videos and other things that are coming out, witnesses, they will actually get to the point where they can say with their chest that they did fire on unarmed on civilians and took bodies away and, you know, actually own up to what they did. Sounds impossible, but hey, we're hoping. I we just want to see how far they will go with their lies. CNN. Amazing, amazing, amazing. In the last week, they did an expose slash reports that they ran on air showing, you know, what happened, the Lekito, the evidence with videos, even going as far as to trace, like, the ammunition that was used and where it was bought from and who bought it, which was the Nigerian army. So that was amazing. I think that really shocked the Nigerian authorities. The one thing they're afraid of is is international disgrace and getting any sanctions that will prevent them from keeping their money abroad, buying land, buying houses, hiding everything that they steal, you know, traveling at will, all of that. So remember I was saying I think that was the angle we needed to push because. That was what was going to make them uncomfortable and want to lash out, or know that we were serious, you know, keep pressing their necks. So I'm glad that CNN did that. Obviously, CNN is not a Nigerian television station; it's not African. The Nigerian government or the Nigerian army can't, you know, threaten them or really do anything that will make them retract their statements, or lie, or pretend, or hide information. Remember the TV stations that did cover a lot of NSAs things? Nigerian Broadcast Commission sanctioned them, fines, all of that, right? So using style to suppress the news suppress the truth and control the narrative but with cnn independence they couldn't do that so it was amazing to see cnn you know put all that out there and of course the reaction was hilarious if you were on twitter or instagram or saw any of the comments you had people who were so happy people who were part of the movement people who felt like okay we're one step further to the truth and then on the other hand you had some people who probably should be on medication or institutionalized somewhere saying, you know, CNN is infringing on our rights as a sovereign nation, and this is bias, and this is fake news, and it was a plot and a plan. Some even going as far to say the opposition party, that's opposition to the current government, is the one who, you know, got them to do this and send them fake videos or maybe paid them off, and this is poor journalism. So the Minister of um, Information said, this is poor journalism. This is someone who was quoted as saying, that it was in February or something, that they wanted to borrow $500 million dollars to pump into, you know, the Nigerian broadcasting or communication sector so they could be on par with the likes of CNN, who are, you know, some of the best in the world. And then now CNN (laughs) does an expose that shows that you and your fellow leaders are corrupt and liars and, you know, killing civilians. And you turn around and say, this is poor journalism. Really? Okay, cool. So anyway, that was really amazing. They started threatening CNN, so awkward, so weird. Of course, as usual, people on Twitter are talking about they were going to take them to court and sue them and all that other crap. Others were calling for DSTV, which is one of the big um, cable networks in Nigeria. I won't say cable network, cable providers in Nigeria, sorry. Calling for them to boycott CNN and you know not allow them to be on the airwaves and all of that funniness. I didn't hear that DSTV responded to any of that, so I think just talk on the internet. Anyway, Lai Mohammed did say that they wanted CNN to be sanctioned and apparently even went as far as writing a letter to, you know, CNN headquarters is in Atlanta and all of that. Well, how does CNN respond? They release a second expose video, <laughs> which I so much loved because, wow, it literally was like, OK, I see your threat and I raise you a second video with more information. They had CCTV footage of like, you know, businesses around there. They had, you know, pictures, they had videos, I think maybe some drone stuff as well. Also, I forgot to mention during the probe, people who worked at um, LCC, who are the people who own or run the Lucky gates, were questioned. And it did come out that there were people still there working in the office. The cameras were being operated manually. So the lies about we turned off all the lights and we just shut everything down because of the curfew and wanted everybody to go home and no one was working and it was a lie. There was a text or I guess a WhatsApp snapshot or screenshot that was going around that was a guy supposedly working behind the cameras at LCC saying, you know, we're seeing this thing happen live. It is true. They're shooting They're, you know. Well, of course, you can never really verify, right? Because you don't know who posted that. If somebody's just trying to get attention, if it's one of these like WhatsApp aunties who just come up with stuff and spread it. But when this probe was happening and questions were being asked, it became evident that that actually was real. That text, you know, definitely sounded like it came from someone who was there and a lot of things that they said were confirmed so just wild on all fronts but i'm glad that information is coming out i'm glad that the youth of this generation are not afraid to speak up not afraid to fight even when that horrible thing happened and the government thought that was going to silence them forever people were still working behind the scenes getting this information out to international bodies and news and you know all this other stuff that could without fear of retribution speak the full truth that was what i was saying last week that i'm so glad that DJ Switch got out of Nigeria because she could freely speak, which she has been, you know, interviews and just all of those things. Really, my own thing is expose, 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 expose them. So that was really good news, like I said, on CNN's parts. You can, this all over the internet, really. If you Google it as well, you'll find the videos there. You can watch and see for yourself. I know a lot of people have been saying, what do we believe? There's so much conflicting reports. But now I think we're kind of narrowing down that. Which we knew before, right? All the conflicting reports was coming from the Nigerian government and the army. The people who had been attacked, the people who were the victims, the ensas protesters, literally had the same story the whole time. Nothing changed. You know, when you hear from so many different people, when you watch so many different videos and interviews, it was the same story. So I think now we're kind of narrowing down what exactly happened and seeing what part the Nigerian government and the Nigerian army really played in all that. I think there were also some people who were shot who have come out to say, hey, "Here are my gunshot wounds. This is what happened. You know, I'm a real person. I was a victim." So that helps. Then, wild, 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 a hospital called Mainland Hospital or something, says that they had bodies of people who were involved in NSALs protests. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it was from just the Lecky Gate or the Toll Gate, but from, you know, a time span, days leading up to, and I think a few days after, a week after. And they have people who have come to try to claim the bodies of their loved ones, but they were instructed by the Lagos State government not to release the bodies to anybody. So the Lagos State coroner had actually come out to say, if you have anyone who was injured or killed, you can come and claim their bodies. When family members went, they were told only the governor or I can't remember one other person had the authority to release the bodies. So it makes you wonder what exactly is going on. You guys are claiming there were no fatalities, nobody died, there are no bodies. But now you're holding on to bodies. So that means there are actually family members who have come out to say, my brother, sister, cousin, auntie, son, daughter was involved, was killed. Of course, it will turn out that some of them are from, you know, the massacres or from people that the army shot. So not sure what that game is, but, you know, that's a developing story. And I will bring an update once I see one. And then... In more good news, the UK parliament met yesterday. You know, people had been pushing and writing petitions while everything was going on, right? Because people were pushing on all fronts, right? People were protesting. People were trying to see what policy changes could be made. People were coming up with petitions to say, hey, go sign this. We want them to sanction these Nigerian government officials. You know, obviously at that point, we weren't sure the army was involved or, or the army hadn't gotten involved. Anyway, so the UK parliament met yesterday and decided that they would sanction everybody who was involved. You know, government workers, politicians, army, all of that, who were directly involved with... All the madness that happened with Enstars and having people killed and suppressing their basic rights and all of that. So that was great news. That was a win. Pretty sure these people are up in arms, trying to figure out what to do, how to respond. There's nothing these people hate more than international disgrace. I didn't. I don't understand what it is or why. Maybe it's the Nigerian in them where we're more of aesthetics, right? What it looks like as opposed to what is really happening behind the scenes. So. Whatever the case may be, I'm super happy with the way things are going, and I hope that you know we keep pressing on their necks and we keep getting more results and really push them into a tight corner. Like I said before, so many projects are coming up that don't make any sense, but are requiring so much money. So you see, two billion for this and three billion for that, and sometimes this is even in dollars. So it looks like they know that 2023 will be more difficult for them to sabotage the elections or to cheat in the ways that they used to, and. I feel a lot of them are just trying to get everything they can right now, steal as much as they can, keep it as much as they can so that in 2023, if the tide turns or the heat is too much, they can let go knowing they have secured themselves for a while. I do hope that other foreign governments follow what the UK is doing and ban these people. Don't let them bring their money into your country. Don't let them have bank accounts. Don't let them buy property. Don't let them establish themselves. Don't let them have visas. If they do leave the Nigerian government or if they leave, you know, whatever it is that they're doing now that's in place of power politics or whatever, let them stay in the Nigeria that they refuse to develop and build and let them suffer there. I'm sure obviously with money, they will have some advantages, but don't give them the option to fly out or to go abroad for medical treatment or on holiday or anything like that. Let them stay there and enjoy what it is that they have set up for the masses to suffer. In UK news, So when the podcast first started in June or thereabout, a lot of the talk was Black Lives Matter, you know, protests and all that, because that's what was happening at the time. That was, you know, on all our screens. Those are the conversations that were being had at work as far as supporting black brands, people who were being killed, police brutality, just all of that. And it didn't end, of course, but things kind of died down and some changes were made in other places. No changes were made, but it brought that conversation, you know, out and everybody's talking about it. And something that came up was, is racism really still a big deal in the United Kingdom? Because of course, a lot of the news you hear and all the things that happened were in the United States. So a lot of people in the UK did participate, did come out to say, hey, we're suffering this. We do have this going on. These are experiences. These are stories. They're not really told as much, but you know, we're also victims of racism. And there were a few Instagram pages that popped up where they were documenting and keeping track and sharing news and information. Which was really great. But I don't think the world really paid that much attention to them. It almost seemed like, okay, well, they're doing all this in solidarity with their, you know, friends or family or, you know, fellow black people in the United States, right? Now, something interesting happened a few days ago, maybe ten days ago, almost two weeks ago, that I think really highlights the fact that they were not kidding when they said racism in the UK is real and it's alive. And I think this now has brought a spotlight to it once again. So Sainsbury's, which is a big, like, grocery chain store in the UK, brought out a Christmas ad. So they had three Christmas ads that were shot, and they were going to, you know, release them kind of following each other. So the first one that was released was called Gravy Song, and it was about a black family and pretty much the adverts, you know, because Sainsbury sells, like, you know, food and, you know, all those other things. So the whole idea was talking about Christmas and how food brings people together and family and memories and traditions and, you know, the whole slogan, you know, being like, uh, "Food is home and home is food," or something like that. Sorry for spoiling it, but um, that was the whole idea, anyway. So there was a black family, and the it was you know black family fully. You know, a lot of times you see biracial, where it's like a black person might to a white person, or thereabouts, but it was fully a black family, and the uproar was wow, people were so mad. If you see some of the comments, what is this? You know, they want to take over by th- uh, 2039 there will be no more white people you know on tv screens you know someone even left a comment that this looks like christmas in nigeria <laughs> they were so mad and then they started calling for boycotts they wanted to boycott sainsbury's or they are trying to boy some of them are boycotting sainsbury's because Sainsbury's is an ad that had a black family this doesn't represent me this doesn't look like me uh, make britain white again and then you think about the fact that this really is one of the first major establishments or major, you know, people, brands to go full on black family in, you know, this kind of big campaign or ad and the real hearts and minds of people came out so much anger and venom and just people literally like I'm not spending my hard earned whites, you know, pounds on Sainsbury's anymore. I'll go to Tesco and there are other places I can shop. Why? Because they showed a black family in their Christmas, are celebrating Christmas. Think about what it's like for the other side who is black people who have never seen themselves represented like that. You know, the joy and excitement that they felt and for whatever reason, harmless, totally harmless. Nobody says why people don't go to Sainsbury's. Nobody says why people shouldn't go to Sainsbury's. They're just showing you, hey, this is a black family representative of what happens in England. We do have a lot of black families. We do have, you know, other nationalities, other races, full families, and they should be represented because diversity is important. So, so many conversations about that and just really highlighting what's going on. Now, remember I said there were three Christmas ads, right? Gravy Song being the first one, which was the Black Family. Perfect Portions and the last one was called Big Sony," And none of those other ones feature any Black people. So you guys have two out of three. <laughs> and still yet, the one that Black people have bothers you so much. I don't know what that feeling of these Black people are about to take over. Why is such... An overwhelming feeling for them, why they're so afraid, why they're so paranoid about it. Of all people, British people, who Africans were mining their business in their own countries, or maybe they weren't even countries, they're in their own territories, their own villages, their own communities. They had systems that worked for them. They were doing their own thing, money, their own business. And British people literally stomping all around the world, colonizing everybody. And then now you're mad because people that you colonized are in your country they are growing in number they're growing in population they are you know becoming doctors and lawyers and teachers and they're in fashion and they're in the news and they're doing big things and you're angry and you're mad because you think what they're going to overpower you are you funny are you kidding are you after everything they've been through after everything they've been denied after everything they've overcome it's so ridiculous and i think that's something i talk about people a lot it confuses me how Racism keeps getting passed down from generation to generation. I tried to talk about this, you know, earlier episodes of the podcast. I don't remember which exact one, but I, t- I broke the whole thing down and said, "You have never had an experience with a black person that was negative, or that was bad, but you're just being taught that poison of, you know, what well, we hate black people, we don't like black people. Even if we tolerate them and we smile at them, we don't want to see them on our TV screens. We don't want to see them in positions of authority. They can't be our bosses. They don't, we don't even want them as co-workers. It's I don't understand how that much hate." can exist or reside in someone who has never had a personal experience with that group or with those group of people. Once again, key points being British people went to the ends of the earth as far as India, Nigeria, Ghana, you know, you name it. And we're literally forcing these people. Here's our religion. Here's our language. We'll rule over you guys. It was British people that combined Nigeria, Northern and Southern protectorates, they made, they gave the name. Flora Shaw gave the name to Lord Lugard, who was Abu at the time. These are British people. So you're mad now and you have the audacity to say, this looks like Christmas in Nigeria. Well, (laughs) get used to it guys, because that is the reality. So something that made me super happy was Sainsbury's wasn't even bothered. They were like, yeah, we stand by our ad. We want to promote diversity. We do have a lot of black families who are fully black. We want to represent they didn't back down. They didn't feel like, oh my goodness, people are going to stop, you know, shopping here. Literally stood their ground, which I loved. Now the reverse, another you know rival chain, which is also a huge, you know, so think maybe like Walmart or whatever for Americans. That's you know a good way to think of these brands if you don't know, you're not familiar with them. And Tesco pretty much says, you know, we're not running our own ad anymore. So Tesco had an ad that was also a Christmas ad that did feature black people or black family as well. I don't know if they planned it or just because of all the black lives matter things going on and they were trying to go a different direction. And I don't know, fortunately or fortunately Sainsbury's ran there first. And with all the backlash, a lot of people were saying, we're not going to Sainsbury's anymore. We're going to Tesco. And Tesco being the cowards that they were pulled their own ad. And I guess just kept quiet and enjoyed, you know, whatever the backlash that Sainsbury's was suffering now became their own gain. And I'm, pretty sure black people are noting that and are seeing that and I don't think that will go down well with minority people with black people where Tesco is concerned but the key point of this is just to say racism is alive and well not just in the United States right this is such a perfect example of is I can't even put it into words it's so wild I don't see like when I turn on my TV screen even in Nigeria growing up When you turn on your TV screen and you see maybe white people in a commercial or Indian people in a commercial, there was never a thought of why are they on my TV screen? They don't look like me. They don't represent me. It was just, okay, that's what it is. So they have had that advantage or they have been spoiled to think, you know what, the world revolves around us. You know, Britain is a white country. I live in a place with majority white people. Well, not anymore. The tide is changing. People are moving around. People are migrating. There are black families and they want to see themselves represented. There are Indian families. And there are, you know, Jewish families and Chinese families and there are families from, I mean, all over the world that do want to themselves represented. So I hope that other brands and other businesses will follow suit and make it clear that, hey, we support diversity. We understand that a lot of our customers come from a wide variety of backgrounds and everybody needs to be seen and everybody needs to be heard. So Tesco, you won't be getting my American dollars. I wasn't shopping there before, but now i definitely will not shop at tesco whenever i'm in the united kingdom on to these united states so the last few weeks have been whoa 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 but talked a little bit about elections the last time the results trump trying to fight it all of that madness so he lost to georgia which i think for him was such a huge loss because georgia has been such a red state you know a lot of republicans a lot of people who love republicans who love donald trump he was shocked that he was turned blue it hasn't Georgia hasn't been blue since Bill Clinton, you know. So that was sold twenty something years ago, and he asked for a recount, and Biden won again. <laughs> and then in Michigan, the Republican members—they so have election boards, right? They have Republican members and Democrat, Democratic, you know, members. And the Republican members in Wayne County, and Wayne County contains Detroit, which is such a huge Democratic base, you know. These people were talking about they're not going to agree to formalize or endorse the results like (laughs) you're not going to certify it. why people have voted they have voted that they wanted joe biden it's not in your place you know and of course they had trump you know rallying behind them and tweeting all this stuff and people really changed it for them people were angry people were yelling people were screaming about their rights and people really stood up to them and they changed their minds went ahead and certified the results backtrack from their initial we're not doing this we're not you know these are not the real election results and we're not going to agree to allow our democracy to be blah 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 anyway of course they knew that what they were doing was wrong and bad so I don't even think they could have held on for a long time but literally the flip was same day like we were having a meeting people went off at them they went to the corner spoke came back and were like you know what we'll certify the results so that was amazing mind you in Detroit like the Detroit area or Wayne County area Trump won that state war, Michigan, by a narrow margin. And his win was so small, but there were a lot more voting errors then. Of course, before he won, we didn't hear Pim about it. He, of course, wouldn't come out and say, Hey guys, why don't you go check? I'm so worried about the integrity and the democracy. He really is not. He's only concerned because he lost. If he had won these elections, even by the tiniest of margins... There would have been no word about any irregularities, no lies about democracy being sabotaged, no election fraud. But his whole mandate, his whole agenda is to undermine the results, to undermine Joe Biden's presidency, to make it seem like I was cheated and there was fraud and this government is not legitimate. And it seemed like he was winning or he was progressing because things were just going well there for a second. Anyway, another good news. There was a case that the Trump you know, campaign team or administration or whatever put before the Pennsylvania Supreme Court because obviously they lost in Pennsylvania as well, which was such a huge one for them because that was where the tide turned for Joe Biden while the counts were going on. So they're trying to challenge the results and the case was thrown out. So like I said before, they don't have any case. I think they just want to make a lot of noise and cause a lot of uproar and make it seem like they're doing something. But, mm-mm. And then this same Donald Trump wanted to attack Iran's nuclear facilities. So the United Nations reported that Iran was growing a stockpile of nuclear materials and, you know, Trump wanted to respond by attacking them like missiles and all that. This is someone who is about to leave the White House. He wants to start a war and want to walk away for the next person to just walk into your mess. I don't understand how he reasons or how he thinks, but thankfully he was talked down from that ledge. So that didn't happen. So we live to be safe another day. Finally, After all the drama and chaos and just general service administration, the woman in charge, who is a Trump appointee saying, you know, we're not going to give anything to Joe Biden. The transition is not going to happen. No funds will be released. We're not recognizing him. Trump was backing her and supporting her. And Republicans were really clapping and hailing her. And I kept thinking, I'm sorry, who are you? You're not an election official. I have nothing to do with you. Anyway, finally, finally, after all said and done, after how long, Eventually, Trump tweets last night that he's instructed her and other people in his cabinet and stuff to work with the Joe Biden, you know, groups or teams, let the transition start happening. That means funds can now be released. Joe Biden's staff can start getting on meetings and, you know, pretty much start the process to him taking over or things being handed over to him. So Trump still claims, you know, I'm not conceding, we're still fighting behind, you know, behind the scenes and in the courts to make sure that the results are overturned. But let's not lie, in reality, if you were, why would you suddenly just start trying to cooperate? You clearly know you're leaving. probably started packing and calling moving trucks and vans. So I think he's just trying to keep up a bold face or keep up, you know, the fight for his followers or whatever. Anyway, there's also been information. I saw a lot of posts yesterday about it saying that the United States is instituting a visa bond, uh, program and Nigeria as part of it. And to get a visitor visa, which is B1, B2. So tourist slash business visa, you would have to pay $15,000. I was like, huh, this is interesting at first, you know, sounded like something you should be mad about, but I always try as much as possible to do research, to check, you know, on the internet, not necessarily following the link that someone sent me or the article in particular, but just doing a random search to see how many times does it come up? Is it real? Is it true? What are the sources? So when I did that yesterday, because I first saw it yesterday evening, it only was coming up on Nigerian sites. So Nigerian blogs, you know, run by Nigerian people, Nigerian organizations and things like that. So I'm like, "Hmm, okay, this is interesting. Sounds like fake news to me. So I actually went to bed thinking it was fake news. But this morning I started to check again. It was kind of the same thing. Even when I saw it on some sites that didn't necessarily seem Nigerian, the name of the person who wrote the story was Nigerian. Eventually I found an article on a website um, that's run by the American Association of Immigration Lawyers. So I was like, okay, well, this is definitely legit, right? Because they talk about all things immigration and it's a formal organization. So it is true that there's a visa bond pilot program that is, was approved that was put into place, but it will not kick in until December 24th, 2020. And it's a trial for six months. So it's December 24th, 2020, and we end on June 24th, 2021. Does that mean you should panic? Does that mean you should be worried? does it mean you have to go find fifteen thousand dollars before you can get a US visa or come to the US. You know, no, 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 no. So, because I got this from the lawyer association or immigration um, attorney association, they have you know the actual legal documents that were released. And I'm no lawyer. I didn't go to law school. I haven't taken a law class in my life. With just my own lame understanding, what it looks like or what is written there is, there has been a law right, this whole time, a provision in the law, immigration law, that authorizes consular officers. So when you go to the embassy to apply for a visa, the people who interview you and, you know, agree to give you the visa or deny you, those are consular officers, there has been a law that authorizes them to require the posting of a bond by someone applying to receive a tourist or student visa. The student visa is F1, tourist visa is B1B2, so tourist slash business. But... They've kind of already been told or the law doesn't necessarily want them to use it. So that provision has always been there, but they are discouraged from using it. Now, they've talked about having so many people overstaying. I think last year alone, they said they had 370,000 people, if not more. And a lot of them keep coming from the same country. So those countries have over 10% of overstay. You know, people who apply for visas to say, I'm going to do like a work conference, I'm going to a church event, I'm going to a wedding to visit family, to just go shopping on holiday, and they don't come back, right? So they clearly knew they weren't coming back in the first place, right? Now, U.S. government or Border Patrol or, you know, Department of Homeland Security has been thinking of a way to get rid of those people or to stop that from happening, really. You can't say you're not giving visa to anybody from that country. And, of course, it has always been up to the consular officer, depending on the way you answer their questions and how you present yourself to... Kind of gauge if you'll be a flight risk or not right now they are saying this law has always been in place or this provision has always been in place now they want to test actually using it and the test will only be on those countries that have high number of overstays that's why it was only six months right it's just a test it's temporary so it was temporarily approved it's not a new law it's not a new rule is just, you know, pretty much like an amendment to it to say, okay, let's actively try to use this thing. And it's a test to see how effective is it and how easy is it for us to actually implement, right? So you go to a visa interview, consular officer, you know, speaks to you, does everything. There are people who clearly, right? Say, for example, like an Otterola in Nigeria or someone like that who is such a huge international Name and has you know all these billions and one of the wealthiest people and all of that. If he were to go to the embassy, even if say Nigeria was the country with the highest overstay, even if ninety-five percent of Nigerians were overstaying, which is not the case, if he went to the embassy and said, "Hey, I'm going to America for a business conference," of course they would give him a visa without. I mean, not even thinking twice. he's not a flight risk. They know he has all these businesses, all these homes, all this property, all these investments. This stake in Nigeria, so he's definitely coming back. There are other people, however, who are high risk. Just based on their profile, they don't maybe have any land or any property, no close family ties, not really anything that you can say. This is so deep that I know they will come back for sure. So the consular officer is thinking, hmm, not sure this person is going to come back. Probability that they might, my gut is telling me they might not. So sometimes they're in that middle ground where I don't know what to do. Most times in that scenario, they'll just deny you to be on the safe side and tell you, hey, you couldn't prove that, you know, your intentions are what you said they were. Maybe try again next time. Now, what this rule is saying is, Instead of doing that, that means somebody who was ordinarily not admissible by the consular officer standards, instead of telling you a straight out no, they will approve you, but then make you pay this bond, All right? So a bond is pretty much, you're putting up money to say, if I meet the following requirements, I get my money back. If I don't, I lose my money. So that's incentive for you to come back or for you to obey or for you to comply. So you come to the US, you know, you do whatever it is you're supposed to do. You come back home. It's been 30 days, you go back maybe to the consular officer or to wherever the place that is set up, tell them, hey, this is me. This was my visa that I applied for, I'm back. Maybe here are the documents, here are my, you know, tickets, my stubs, my, you know, everything that happened. Can I get my money back? Now, the maximum you can get, let's say for a Nigerian, I think they changed it for a lot of other countries. Some people used to be able to get five years, like that was the maximum number like the longest term visa you could get right so there's probably like six months there's a year two years most people will get two years with american visa but in countries like ghana and gabon other places i know they were able to get up to five years um even for visiting or student visas so if you have like a long-term visa like that i don't think they were going to they can't give it back to you after one visit right because with that multiple entry visa you can go as many times as you want and come back within those two years so you probably have to wait for the two years to have elapsed and you've met all the requirements, you didn't do anything illegal while you were there, you didn't work, you didn't, you know, break any rules, commit any crimes, then you could go back and get your money back. The whole point being, if you put up such a huge amount, like $15,000, $10,000, $5,000, it's a lot of money and you wouldn't just throw it away, right? You would want to make sure that you follow the rules, come back, get your money back. Now, If you had $15,000 to throw away, let's be honest, you probably would not be trying to run to another country abscond. Like, very small fraction of people have that disposable money to just say, eh, it doesn't matter, just they can have it, and be wanting to run to America to settle illegally. You see what I mean? So that's kind of the whole idea behind it. And they picked the countries that they were going to use in this test that have the smallest number, sorry, the highest number of overstays. And obviously, people know Nigerians overstay, their name is always, you know, in the list, bad books, people are saying they're number five on the list, that's what they're known for. In the documents, Nigeria is not listed. People just made an assumption that because they are doing this for countries that have high overstay, Nigeria is definitely there, and they've run with it saying the US government is going to require Nigerians to pay $15,000 now before they travel. That is untrue. So I'll read to you exactly what those countries are. And they listed them out more than once in this document. So it says, by establishing the pilot program, the U.S. government focuses on travelers who are nationals of Afghanistan, Angola, Bhutan, Burkina Faso, Burma, Burundi, Cabo Verde, Chad, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Djibouti, Eritrea, the Gambia, Guinea-Bissau, Iran, Laos, Liberia, Libya. Mauritania, Papua New Guinea, Sao Tome and Principe, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. No Nigeria. It even goes for that to say, this is being done so that a message will be sent to those countries in particular regarding the relevant overstay rates of their nationals. No Nigeria at all, guys. No Nigeria. Not even Niger that you would say maybe people saw Niger and thought it was Nigeria. So, this is why you have to be careful about news. This is why you have to be careful about information. I know I say this all the time. Don't be that person who just hears something and runs with it. As much as I do a lot of my own research, sometimes I'm guilty of it, right? But when it comes to something important like this, I always go check. I always try to independently verify. If such a rule or policy was passed, I kid you not, it's not a secret, Right. It will be on the internet. The documentation is available. The full legal brief or whatever it is. another the legal term. Whatever it is that was filed and agreed and stamped. Full information is available. So always try to read. Always try to research. Always try to see what exactly is the information. What is fact? What is fiction? A lot of times we forward things because, you know, it's sensational. It applies to us. It makes us angry or excited or confused. And we just forward and forward and forward. And now so many, even reputable blogs or sites I saw with, you know, carrying that information. And I'm just like, wow, that actually is sad that nobody did their due diligence. Really, nobody went, you know, to check to see how it applies to Nigeria or if Nigeria is listed or, you know, anything like that. So that's really what it is. That's the summary. That's the breakdown. Only for B1, B2, which is visitor business. It doesn't apply to students. It could, or they have a right to in the provision, but in this test case, it's not going to. And I already explained to you guys why they're doing it, what the point is, all of that. Now, people are saying, why such an amount? How did they even arrive at that amount? In their memorandum, it says that there are three different bonds, bond amounts. So $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. It's up to the consular officer to decide how much of a flight risk you are. How, you know, sure are they, you come back, not come back. And then they will assign you, okay, here's your bond, 5,000. Here's your bond, 10,000. Here's your bond, 15,000. Now, someone who didn't have the right intentions or didn't plan on coming back will probably say, okay, cool, let me go get the money and never show up again. You know, like, where would they be able to just easily access $15,000 that they're never going to get back, right? Because they know they're not coming back. How do they get those amounts? Now, what the United States government is saying or Department of Homeland Security is saying is when someone overstays and they have to now pursue you legally, you know, get you, say, arrested by immigration officers, put you in in a cell... They have immigration detention centers where they keep them till, you know, maybe their case goes before an immigration judge. Sometimes that's weeks. A lot of times it's months. For some people it's years. And while you're there, they're feeding you, they're housing you. If you have any medical emergencies, they're taking care of you. If you were pregnant when you came in, you deliver there. Whatever it is, they are in charge of, you know, and of course you're not paying for it, right? It's free. They put you in front of a judge. Then if they have to send you back home, if indeed your case, you know, is not favorable and they have to send you back home, they still have to put you on a flight, all of that, all these things, the cost is being incurred by the American government, inadvertently by the American people who pay their taxes. So they're saying when they've done all their research and they've looked at all the numbers, it costs about $14,000 for Department of Homeland Security to pretty much full immigration enforcement life cycle. So finding you, locating you, bringing you in, processing you, feeding you, Housing you, your medicals, going to court and back, transportation, the officers have to watch over you, putting you on the flight, you know, all of that. Estimated to cost about $14,000, and that's why the cap is $15,000. They are saying that if it was just removal proceedings, right? So, you know, sometimes people get like, caught or arrested, and they're just like, okay, you know what, cool, I'm not going to fight this, take me back home. That alone, just the removal process, cost about $2,194 so maybe that's what the lower end of the 5k is like okay if you're someone that doesn't look like you cause a lot of trouble or if you're someone who looks like they have a lot going on here and if things didn't work out for you in america you would be easily you know persuaded to come back home then that's the lower end right so i don't know how they got from 2,194 to 5,000 but you know maybe administrative costs so yeah that is what the news is about those are the facts hopefully you're not from any of those countries where you would have to pay a bond so you or your family don't have to go through that stress or that you know you know whatever you want to call it but yes that's the update on that like i said earlier thanksgiving is this week usually thanksgiving is such a huge holiday in america the largest holiday actually more than christmas like i said because not everybody is like christian or celebrates christmas but everybody thanksgiving right when i was in college i remember like things even everywhere would be closed like restaurants are closed stores are closed it was the one day everyone knew they would be off spend time with family turkey and dinner m- highest amounts of people traveling all of that so obviously with covid there's a lot of food for thought uh oh see what i did there food for thought thanksgiving food oh <laughs> there's a lot of you know covid and stuff is in the air there's a lot of Worry and anxiety over whether people should go home, whether they should meet with their family. Are you exposing? Because people's grandparents, you know, people's parents who have underlying conditions, people who just had babies, pregnant women, literally the whole family used to gather. You know, people come from all over the country. Are you safe to travel home? You know, if you're driving, might not be an issue. If you've quarantined and the people that you're going to see are also quarantined and, you know, if it's controlled, but most people haven't, most people were going to have to fly. Be exposed at the airport. You don't know what you have or what you didn't have. Go home to your grandma or your uncle or your dad or your mom. Infect them, all of that. So CDC was saying, don't travel. Just stay where you are. You know, a video Thanksgiving, which is like a Thanksgiving over Zoom or video call, is better than you know a death or a funeral or a missed Christmas because you're no longer alive or you're sick or you're in the hospital. So they were not expecting a lot of people to travel. Personally, most people that I know are not traveling or doing anything for thanksgiving but i read in the news today that on sunday which was november 22nd one million people traveled that has been the highest number of you know one day travel in the united states since march now don't forget march was when covid really burst onto the scene and lockdowns you know started happening and everything just became chaotic so that means since covid happened that many people have not traveled Somehow, people just feel maybe it's a holiday, maybe we have traditions. I cannot see my family, I haven't seen them all year. We're going home. I think the whole weekend, both Saturday, Sunday, and I think Monday, or I think maybe, I can't remember the way they put it, I don't want to miss school, but pretty much they've had about 2 million people travel in the last two, three days, which once again, the numbers are going up. And Thanksgiving is not till Thursday, today is Tuesday. So that means, of course, people are still going to travel today, Tuesday, travel Wednesday. Some people still travel Thursday, the day of. That's not counting those who are driving. Usually, they would have, I mean, so many times more those numbers, but I think it's still alarming to see how many people are willing to risk it to go home or to go see their family or to go keep up with, you know, traditions. Mind you, the number of cases of COVID is rising so rapidly, like I mentioned earlier, that it really is a scary thought. When you think about all the people who are going to mix and mingle, some people who have been in quarantine this whole time following and obeying rules, others who have been out and about without a mask, doing whatever they please those who have been at work, others who have been traveling for fun and everyone is just going to mix and mingle. A lot of people have been asking, how come in Nigeria things are back to normal? Everybody is saying COVID is over. People are back to like weddings and parties and the cases don't seem to be going up. People don't seem to be getting infected. Nobody seems to be dying. How come what is happening really can't be the weather because even when it was hot here in the summer, people were still catching COVID like, you know, crazy numbers. We don't know how, we don't know what. But now the fear is, it's the holiday time. That's what a lot of people do. Day to December, people go home for the holidays, go see their family. You know, like that's Nigeria I'm talking about now. Come home to get married, weddings, you know, funerals, like everything happens. Even people who live in Nigeria, a lot of time work slows down and people are off, you know, for the holidays. Offices are closed, businesses are closed and everyone is just celebrating with their friends and family. So that's the fear now that. If somehow COVID has left Nigeria or it has become such a weak strain where it's not doing any harm, it's just now like a common cold, with everyone traveling and coming from all over the world, people are going to reintroduce stronger, more deadly strains of the coronavirus into the system again and everything's just going to happen like it did in March, April. More deaths, higher numbers, lockdowns, massive spread. That is the fear. I don't know what the solution would be. I don't know what precaution, let's say like the Nigerian government could take as far as maybe closing airports again or another curfew or I don't know how serious they have been. People have said conflicting stories, you know, when you fly into Nigeria, some people have said, you know, we asked for COVID results. We're told we had to do another, you know, test and bring the results within four days. Some people said nobody mentioned anything to them. They never went back to show any results. They didn't even bother getting tested. Others have said, even when it was a requirement, they were able to pay their way to not have to come back to report. So it's a scary thought, you know, that aside, though, we're talking about Thanksgiving in the United States, we're talking about Christmas. There's a lot of movement going on and there's a lot of fear that there will be massive spreading and the numbers will just keep going up. And I don't know what the solution is because technically we've been in COVID land for eight months and things are only getting worse. You know, it looks like we'll make small progress and then things get worse, little progress, things get worse. So I'm somehow feeling that, you know, after, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, pretty much from now until the new year, the numbers are really going to spike. Cases are really going to go up. The deaths are really going to increase. And I'm just imploring everyone to be careful. You're the one who knows what your situation is, what your living arrangement is, what family members you're seeing, how you've been keeping safe, what you're doing. Just do your best to avoid situations that will result in you or anybody you love catching COVID you know, being rushed to the hospital, being on a ventilator, dying or anything, you know, long-term effects from happening. Be safe for yourself, for your family. If you have children, if you have elderly parents, just be safe. Keep wearing your mask when you go out in public, as uncomfortable as it is. If you have to meet with people, sanitize, keep your distance, keep your mask on. It's not fun. It's not cute. It might spoil your makeup or your outfit just for your sake, for the sake of those you love. Keep your mask on. Just do the right thing wash your hands. If you can stay home and Zoom instead or talk over the phone, it's not ideal. It's not the best. It's sad. It's annoying. But guess what? If we keep doing that or if we had stayed doing that, things would not have gone this crazy again. Also, of course, I had to mention vaccines. I think now there's a third one now that's also giving positive results and they're expecting these things are going to come out in the next few weeks. So, I guess there's lights at the end of one tunnel because if people take the vaccine and it does work as effectively as the claims or the research has said, then that will be good and we kind of see an end to COVID. But if not, they have to go back to the drawing board and keep working on the vaccine and testing, and we still have to keep playing our part. Now, I spoke last week, sorry, not last week, two weeks ago. About my change for change projects, non government organization, NGO, charity, non profits, whatever it's called in your country. And I had said we were going to try and help 500 girls and we wish we could do more. We're actually re and that number has gone up to 1,000. So we're having a Christmas drive to provide sanitary and hygiene products, which, you know, sanitary pads, toilet paper roll-on, toothpaste, period diaries, all these other things that the girls need underwear to go through their periods for 2021, as much as possible we want to try and provide them for the entire year or at least six months so they know they have all the parts they need, they have all the underwear they need, they have all the laundry detergent they need, the bathing soap, everything to keep clean, stay sane, stay safe, effectively manage their periods so they can focus on their studies, right? So these are school-age girls. Some of them will be giving their, you know, Products in school. Some of them will be through orphanages, and one will be an actual drive that we will have. We will host, we will have girls will come, we'll go into their community, actually give them, talk to them. And it's supposed to be an end of the year thing for them. So we want to give them food, talk to them, give out these products, teach them how to use these products if they don't already know, answer their questions, right? That's the amount of impact we want to have. And like I said, we've moved the target up to a thousand that number scares me i'm not going to lie because the last time we did 200 girls so for day of the girl child in october we did 200 girls and if you're not already following us on instagram i don't know what to tell you because i have begged you guys every week this thing is free you i know you're already on the please just go follow we post pictures of things that we've done we post you know Information of what is upcoming, feedback from the people that we have helped, news, information, updates, medical terms, issues, and things are only going to get more interesting, more exciting. We're rebranding right now and so many amazing things are coming. You do not want to miss the launch. So please go follow us on Instagram at your change for change, Y-O-U-R-C-H-A-N-G-E, F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G-E. Like I said before i definitely need help from you i need your coins i need your money yes i also need you to spread the word tell your family tell your friends tell your coworkers. if you have any enemies tell them your neighbors people in your church your social media groups just any and every really because the more we get the word out the more people donate the more money we get in donations the more girls we can reach so even if 1000 sounds scary and it might not be possible we can, we can actually do a thousand we can actually do five thousand we can actually do ten thousand you know what I mean, and even if we don't get to a thousand and we only do five hundred or seven hundred those are still five hundred or seven hundred girls who wouldn't have had these things you know otherwise, and it's still a win, right so my motto is to reach for the moon so that even if we fall short, we will land among the stars so I'd rather reach for a higher number, work towards that hope towards that and if we get that that's amazing if we don't we still reached a much larger pool of girls than we would have without your help so please don't forget it's great it's amazing that you can pass on the word but we also need the money because if everybody just keeps passing on the word that's all we get the word is being passed around so we actually need money And like i said the last time it's change for you change might be a thousand dollars we happily welcome it for you change might be five pounds we happily welcome it for you change might be 200 naira we happily welcome it and we can take donations from anywhere in the world so We have a Naira account for Zenith Bank that you can donate to. We have PayPal, we have Zelle, we have Cash App, we have Venmo. (laughs) We have also put together a GoFundMe page. So all that will be released by the end of this week. The GoFundMe will be released by the end of this week. All the others are already up and running. That information is at your change for change Um, On the Instagram, it's also on the Motivation Instagram page. So you can go to the page and you'll see one of those saved permanently saved stories and it says ways to give. And I click on that. You can find out how you can give. So you can actually start giving now the campaign is officially open. That's the point I'm trying to make. You can start giving, you can start sharing with your friends and your family. The GoFundMe will be out later in the week and any more information or details. If you have any questions, you can send me an email. You can send me a DM, all of that through the IO change for change Instagram page. So thank you guys. As always, this has been fun. Talking to myself, but I know that you guys enjoyed this episode, all the information, all the clarification, all the updates. If you have any questions, if you have any concerns, if you have any comments, I would appreciate if you guys could engage at some Motivation on Instagram. If you haven't already joined, like I said, it's free. Please join, see all the amazing things we have going on, see announcements. I'm not quite sure how the podcast is going to run till the end of the year. So we have about five weeks to the end of the year. Um I might do every other week at this point. I can't say for sure. But definitely will not be every week. So we only have a few episodes left to the end of the year. Hopefully at least three. So if you follow us on Instagram, you can see what the updates are. If I post any or I tell you guys you know what the format is going to be. I also need a Christmas break. So yes, that will be the end of season one. Anyway, don't forget to join the conversation. Become a part of the BAM Fam on Instagram at Bamsa motivation. B-A-N-T-S-A-N-D-M-O-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. Please, please, please share the podcast with at least three people this week. People who, like I said, listened to the first few episodes, maybe didn't like my voice then came back. It has gotten better. I know you guys can attest to that. It's fun. It's interesting. It's light. We talk about important things. We share news. We share information, updates, stories, what have you. So please share with those people again. People who have never even heard about it, who don't know that the podcast exists, share with them. Hopefully they like it and they also want to join the farm. That's the plan. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. This is Thanksgiving week. What are you grateful for? Think about this year. Think about people who started this year who haven't made it to the end. Think about your health, your family, your friends, your finances, your job. Yes, there are things that didn't go the way you wanted. Yes, there are dreams that didn't come to pass. Yes, there are plans that had to be canceled. Yes, you're probably in lockdown or you can't go out or you can't celebrate with your family and friends but you're alive, you're well, where there's life, there is hope. So be kind to yourself, be kind to other people. Don't forget to tell people in your lives that you love them, you care about them, tell them how grateful you are to have them, have their support. I know most of us would not have made it through this crazy year without the support of our family and our friends, helping us keep our sanity, Zoom calls and phone calls and texts and every other way that they supported you. So don't forget to let them know. Be safe if you are going out, if you're going to celebrate, if you're meeting family, if you're traveling. Your health is important. Your life is important. Be safe. Put on your mask. Wash your hands. Stay far away from people that you don't know where they've been. No risky behavior. This is not the time. Most importantly, believe for something awesome this week, we still have a cool five weeks and two days left in 2020. Five weeks is more than enough time for every single thing on your list to still happen, right? I mean, you can't have a whole human being if you weren't already pregnant, but you could get pregnant, right? You still could get married. You could still buy your house, buy your car, be healed from a disease, meet a deadline at work, finish a project, start your own business, whatever it is that you're believing for, whatever it is that you want, forgot to restore a relationship, really anything like i said except for getting pregnant having a baby in five weeks that's not gonna happen <laughs> but believe for something good this week until i come your way next week have an amazing thanksgiving bye